What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Always special to have Bill Walton open up the show in studio on a Wednesday. On the road coming up tomorrow and Friday. I shall explain coming up in a bit. Meeting with the media for the first time this week. Earlier today, you've got the bench quarterback who... Honestly, handled it as well as you could, and you would not expect anything less. That was Matt Ryan. As well as you expected him to. And let's say for anybody, just put yourself in a similar situation, not as an NFL quarterback, because probably you guys all suck, but just in whatever you do. Assuming you don't suck in that. In whatever you do, put yourself in that situation. That would be really hard to deal with. And then you're dealing with that, you know, out in the public. And I know that everything is supposed to be made great because you're getting paid millions of dollars. And while I would like to try that, you still have a competitive nature or you're not who you are. You're not a future Hall of Famer or you haven't spent your entire life being a quarterback in the NFL or certainly even playing at that level. So I, I know how I would respond. I certainly, hopefully it'd be like that, but I can't, I can't honestly tell you that it would. It just, that'd be tough. But he did handle that the way I think everybody felt that he would handle that. And then Sam Ellinger gets the Q&A from local media, TV, radio, print, And he's basically saying what you would expect him to say. I actually went on, and you can check this out. I'll tell you when coming up in a bit. I went on with a podcast out of D.C. a little bit earlier today. Myself and J.J. Stankovitz of Colts.com. We were both on it, and and it's interesting. I mean, he did – J.J. goes to the practices, and, you know, he's working out of West 56th Street. And I get that, and we do have a couple of differing viewpoints as far as where this team is right now. I have just taken the tact of I, I do need to see it because, as I can tell you right now, as far as this quake of positivity we've been involved with in the past couple of days, I think that's good for you. I think that's good for morale around here because morale had sunken pretty low. And you're going to say, well, you know, what morale has nothing to do with it, all right? It's wins or losses. Bottom line, wins or losses. Okay, hold on a second, Lombardi, okay? While you're right, you're in a spot right now where you don't know what's going to happen. But most of the expectations are still going to be, this is probably not going to work. So to me, I'm just telling you the lead up The lead-up has been good. The lead-up keeps it interesting, and I think the lead-up keeps it interesting for you. And that's not going to show up in the win-loss column. 
And what's going to matter coming up on Sunday with that is the level of play. And as I said today on this podcast in D.C., the dude's name was Big Doug. So when you go on with Big Doug, you know that this is an incredible podcast, and I sure as hell better be a part of it. Me and Big Doug and Stankovitz. And it took Big Doug a couple of minutes to learn how to pronounce Stankovitz. I can't lie, it took me a similar amount of time. So we're on with Big Doug, and I said, Big Doug, Big Doug. This is kind of my meatballs analysis here. You ready? It just doesn't matter. What do you mean by that? It just doesn't matter. Hold on. What are you talking about? I don't get it. Maybe I'm not decrepitly old like you are. I don't get this reference. It just doesn't matter. Bill Murray and meatballs. Anybody remember that? I know, 1979, Kyle has no idea what I'm talking about. Most of you out there probably aren't sniffing what I'm talking about with this analogy. But it doesn't matter unless this offensive line provides much more of a higher level of play than it has. Because we spend all of our time sitting around and talking about the escapability of the younger and the fresher legs. Now, what he will create, being able to scramble and run around compared to what a 37-year-old, mostly immobile quarterback in Matt Ryan was. But it just doesn't matter. This team goes nowhere unless that O-line either A, wakes up and decides to play the way that it should. And I mean consistently in pass protection the way that it should. And we can argue all day about the run blocking. Okay, fine. Run blocking, whatever. But the pass protection, they were incapable of protecting a quarterback from himself. What do you mean by that? They did not give him the protection. He was not ready for the lack of protection. He was not five years ago. Matt Ryan couldn't deal with it. Thus, the combination there was ruled, broken, you got to go get somebody else. This is no longer going to work. Owner steps in and says, hey, this is what I like. I like Sam Ellinger. Let's try this. And the owner, the general manager, the coach, they're this, let's try this, is haven't really worked out at quarterback very well. So I, I know what you're saying by that. But it doesn't matter. That level of play in pass protection has to be better. I think it'd be great if they allow him a little time to be creative. I don't know how much he's going to create because there is going to be a moment of a crapping your pants type of state. Everybody kind of just thinks he's going to drop in there and then everything is going to slow down and feel right. You know, feel like he did back in high school or feel like he did when he was at Texas when he became a veteran, whatever. He's being thrust in this on the run. He needs help from everybody here. Yeah, much like Matt Ryan needed help from everybody. Oftentimes didn't get it. But again, he was also his own worst enemy because he was ill-prepared to handle. Uh, He was told one thing, he came in here and got the other. He was that Lego piece that would fit really well 
in that place that you're putting together, but unfortunately it's on the floor and you step on it in the middle of the night. You can't undo what had been done. And he was not a fit. But I have to see if this guy is going to be a fit. When you look at the commanders, and this is what Big Doug told me a little bit earlier today. Big Doug had said, this commander's team, they don't have to get to the quarterback with a blitz. They're not a high-volume blitzing team. And seemingly you would say, all right, well, that's good because you saw the blitzes last week. The blitz got home every single minute and dinged up the quarterback in Matt Ryan last week. There was one point when he got injured on that shoulder. There was one point where I think everybody got back there. It was kind of like the longest yard. Remember when they were all mad because Burt, they could tell that Burt had made a deal with a warden and they just all kind of stood up out of their stands and just let guys go at him. That's kind of what it looked like. But they don't have to, and they don't, blitz to get to the quarterback. Yeah, their front four can get there. Their front four can get there, and we know this, with this particular offensive unit, if you throw stunts and twists at it, it completely gets discombobulated. We're just kind of thinking about the surface. Okay, so what is Sam Ellinger going to look like? Listen, there's no question he's going to feel he's prepared. He's going to go out there and be confident, and then the ball is going to drop, and you're going to be in the middle of it, and you're going to have to deal with a lot of the same things that Matt Ryan did. And Matt Ryan just became a non-fit. And really, when you think about it, you go back seven weeks of play with Matt Ryan. And other than what you saw against Jacksonville and that change where he did look like that he was going to fit and maybe a couple of final drive moments, you go back and look at those first seven weeks, first seven games in their entirety, you could tell. You can certainly tell. And nobody's trying to take him out of blame whatsoever because he is the quarterback. You're going to get blamed. He's the one turning the football over. But again, this thing is not going to work unless you get better play out of those in front of Sam Ellinger. A couple of things I thought about, too. Kyle and I have talked about this. This team rarely, if ever, maybe once or twice, if you can remember, has gone down the field. Michael Pittman Jr., if you remember, after the game on Sunday brought up the fact that he had hoped, he wished that the coaches would be more confident in he and his fellow wide receivers, you know, just going out and making plays. They feel that they're playmakers. So one thing you're probably going to see, you're going to see a couple of down-the-field 50-50s where you're just going to say, all right, 11, go get it. All right, 14, go get it. And when you look back on it, as a rookie, Alec Pierce has gone and gotten it. You go back to that Denver game. That Denver game, was that in the uh, the final drive, I think, that led to the game-winning field goal, that final drive, or what I guess ultimately was? 
There are a couple of different opportunities where if you just kind of stand there and wait for the ball to come to you, then you were not going to get it, but he went and got it. Actually, I think one point between the ball and him, there was actually a defender that was kind of halfway turned. He went and got it. He went and got it against Shaquille Griffin for the game winner against Jacksonville. A little hand fighting down the field, used his speed, a little bit of separation, and then he went to get it. So I do think what Michael Pittman Jr. said, there's a great deal of truth to it. And what he was saying is, all right, Frank Wright, Marcus Brady, you know, trust us. If you remember a week prior, Frank Reich was pretty outspoken with Matt Taylor on Colts Roundtable Live with the I told you so's. Hey, we told you. Chris and I told everybody around here these wide receivers were going to be ready for prime time. We're going to be a lot better than what everybody that has a microphone suggested they were going to be here. All you naysayers, all those that did not believe. And, yeah, I mean, there, there was I told you so because he mentioned, I'm not a I told you so guy, but I told you so. I, we all could probably recommend that if Frank Reich was going to step up and play the I told you so game, that probably wasn't the moment, but he chose to do it. And then a week later, Michael Pittman Jr. is wanting the offense to trust he and his teammates at that position at wide receiver more. Now's the time where you're going to see a little bit more trust. I don't know if it's because they're going to trust that if they call those plays, they're going to go up and get it. I just think it's going to be circumstantial here. I think what's going to happen is you're just going to work yourself into those moments. Everybody talks about RPO and running the football, and that's that's all great. And hopefully, hopefully Sam Ellinger has some hits that he can take within him because he's he's going to get knocked when you do that. He's going to take some hits. And you can say what you want about Washington up front. They can bring it defensively. But he's going to take some hits. You know, we were talking about that this morning as well. As good as a season, an MVP type of season, certainly, that a guy – and I think Josh Allen, to me, from what I've watched, takes – takes more hits than what Jalen Hurts does, but they'll all meet somewhere in the middle. And this is not the same to compare it to Andrew Luck back in the day, but if you remember, there was a point in time when his signature was extending the play, and everybody thought that was great. And then you got three years deep, and you look at how many hits he had absorbed, and you started to see your quarterback get dinged up. It went from being a signature to a detriment, and it really didn't take it very long. And at some point, that's going to happen to Josh Allen. At some point, that's going to happen to Jalen Hurts. It just does in the NFL. Hey, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, impressively enough, has dodged a lot of that. But now we kind of see where Russell Wilson is, and you can no longer use him to make a point with that in mind. But these guys always end up getting it. Got a guard against that coming up on Sunday. You're going to have to put a great deal of trust on your receivers. You know, whether or not you and I trust that they can consistently go up and make plays, that doesn't matter. They're just going to have to do it. 
because you would think that those plays will be the most available. I mean, everybody's talking about, I don't know if Sam is going to be able to throw this into tight windows. I'm going to sit here and tell you right now, expect him not to be able to. Consider the situation. Consider the history. Consider his resume so far. And just think to yourself, you know what? Don't even bring up throwing it into tight windows. You're looking for some playmaking ability. And you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping that he does not turn over the football in the process. This will not just be all about him. I'm glad that everybody's excited. I want you to be excited. Everybody thinks that I'm just trying to rain on the parade of excitement around here. I'm not whatsoever, but I'm not going to tell you that I expect him to go out there and have precision on his throws. And it's not just all on him. A lot of it is, but it's on his teammates. I mean, these guys are going to have to forget about this Q&A today. I know I heard Ryan Kelly kind of not want to talk I guess you could tell by the answer. I don't know if we have the the audio too. That if we do, yeah, kind of let me know. We'll play. I, I, listen, I I don't know what he would be thinking inside, but I, I guess logically speaking, if you were to hear and then read the quote, it kind of sounded like maybe there was some disappointment. But again, to a man, they're all saying the right things about this change. In that locker room, they probably feel the same way as a lot of you do. A lot of you are probably feeling, all right, through seven weeks, you're 3-3-1 three, three and one right now. So you, you work your ass off in the offseason to dump a veteran quarterback that you were talked into because you didn't like him, because you didn't like the way that he played, you didn't like his leadership, you didn't like that he was non-vaxxed, whatever. But you had to find a deal and find it quick. You go out. Put together a deal. You bring in Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan tells me back, if you remember, in the springtime, didn't he tell me that he felt he had like four years left? He say four years? I thought he said four years to me. Certainly two, but I thought he said four to me. It didn't look like he had four games left <laughs> this year. I thought sure that he said said four years. I don't think Maybe he said say four. More than I two? think he said, yeah. More than two. More than two. We'll say more than two. That's fair. And it didn't look like it. Again, he was bad. Those turnovers, even the ones that actually didn't change hands, offense to defense, or I should say offense to offense, it was, it was still on him as the quarterback. But this offense, or lack thereof, had a great deal to do with it. There's a lot of things that this guy's going to have to overcome if we continue to see a level of play that we have seen so far. You know, regardless of having an escapability or having a higher gear than Matt Ryan or any of that. Like, I hear discussions, well, you know what? I think he's going to be able to throw it into tight windows. I don't know if the dude's going to be able to throw it through a fifth-floor window. There is going to be, oh my gosh, I'm crapping my pants, not just a moment, but plural moments out there. You have to get through that as well. But these guys are going to have to help him out. These guys did not help the older quarterback out. 
I think probably much like us, there are probably dudes in that locker room wondering if this is a punting on the season. But again, as I told you yesterday, Jim Mercer on down believes in Ellinger, even if you and I don't necessarily have that similar belief. And if you really truly wanted to punt on the season, then you would leave the guy in there that was having your season punted. I think Matt Ryan's level of play with this offense was doing the job. I don't think necessarily you got to play a rookie to get mostly these similar results from what you had from Matt Ryan through the first seven weeks of the season. So it is more than just him. I've been one. I've been wondering about the the, the pride factor. You know these guys read, hear, stuff said about them. Yeah, at what point do you just kind of rally everybody? Especially with pass protection in mind. To see, you know, we, we got to be better. You know, I made this point this morning when I was on with uh, Big Doug. I said, it's funny because the only time in the past couple of years, actually, you go two and a half years. We'll say almost a half year here. But the two years prior, the only time you really, truly felt good, and I know you can look at the run blocking or what Jonathan Taylor did last year, no doubt about that. But I'm talking about pass protection. Whether it was a year ago, because the blame a year ago went on Carson Wentz. And now you can kind of look at that, and that's it's probably not, as we talked about, entirely something you can blame on Wentz. You go back two years ago with Phillip Rivers, the offensive line looked really good in pass protection because he snapped the ball and got rid of it immediately. That's when this offensive line looked at its best. That's when this offensive line was getting a lot of the accolades. Maybe that was the fool's gold. Actually, right now, I think you can consider that just by the eyeball test for the past two years. I think you can consider that being the chief reason why. Because it has not looked the same since. Snap the ball, ball gone. I mean, hell, almost a similar motion. That's when the offensive line protected at its best. See, and you get a similar situation coming up on Sunday. This this guy is he going to run around? So you're going to be asking a lot out of him, but let's face it, you're not really asking a lot regarding his offensive teammates, especially up front, to play better because they've been pretty awful this year, especially in the realm of pass protection. You know, they helped get the 37-year-old demoted. We'll see if they'll help you know, the first-time starter coming up on Sunday be a bright spot and be uplifting to a lot of you who I'm sure right now absolutely need it. Uh, you can bring that at 239-1070 if you so desire inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I have not checked in yet. I promise I will in just a second. The second of two, Rob Sabatini of Average Joe's and Broad Ripple T-shirts. This is Aloha Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Aloha. I think this also came from the Super 70s guy. 
I mentioned yesterday, if somebody cuts one, I think he makes a T-shirt out of it. And good for him. Good for him. But shout out to Rob Sabatini. Average Joe's and Broad Ripple for these two T-shirts. They are absolutely outstanding. Pacers on the road in Chicago later on tonight. Denary is high atop. Where are they staying in Chicago where the Pacers staying? Super 8? High atop the Super 8 building. So you'd be the tallest Super 8 in the world. They stay at Super 8s, don't they? I think. They get like four players in one room. They have to use their coupon codes. Did you, uh, When you were in high school, did you guys ever rent out a really low-level hotel room and have a party in it? No, we never had to do that. Is it because I'm a hillbilly? Am I the only one that ever did that? Couldn't you just go to a barn, you know, find a, oh, find yeah. a barn? Yeah, but that was. I mean, we wanted to do, get a hotel room. There was that Motel 6 on the west side of Bloomington, right next to that McDonald's. West 3rd Street. Had a big party in that Motel 6. And then we went next door to that McDonald's after it was closed and climbed the ladder and got on the roof. You ever do that? (laughs) All stuff that I'd probably go to jail for today. But we didn't back then. That was good. And again, this is no suggestion that you do that. I'm just telling you the escapades in which us hillbillies back in the day down in G.C., when they led us across the border into Monroe County and to Bloomington, what we did. Yeah, before we were not of a before we had fake IDs, right? And don't do that either. Don't do it. Bad. That's exactly what I'm telling my kids right now. I'm a great role model at home. Yeah, I was a Motel Six, I think, back then. No, but Denary and the Pacers, high atop Chicago. They get the Bulls coming up later on tonight. We'll check in with Chris coming up at 3.30. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor in the four. And Bowen was in the locker room earlier today, and uh, he and others talked to Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan, got some stuff from Reich. Everybody's saying all the right things right now, but coming up on Sunday, it's time to start to get after it like people expect you to get after it. Like, I don't have high expectations for Ellinger, but I sure as hell do for these guys, these veteran guys, and not just the guys that are the highest paid, the guys that are supposed to be the team leaders. Help this dude out a little bit. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, thank you guys for watching. You load up in there. I've got bullseye passes for you. For the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration coming up a little bit later on, too. Got that for you. We've got the stream. We've got the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Matt Taylor, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour. I've got bullseye passes for you. The absolute best game day experience is coming at you from the Bullseye Event Center. And sometimes if you just call and I dig what you're saying, I give it to you. You never know. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I want to thank you guys for hanging out as well. 239-1070. 
We'll utilize that when we are finished with our first guest today. He is the voice of the Pacers on Bally Sports Indiana. Chris Denary, staked out in Chicago right now. I just played Chicago on the way in here for you as the re-entry. Are you more of a 70s Chicago fan or an 80s Chicago fan? Um, I would say probably, I mean, my high school days were in the late 70s, so I would say probably more of a 70s, but I, I drifted into the 80s, but I would even go, I would go to the old, old stuff. All right, so you'd be yeah, 25 or 6 to 4, feeling stronger every day. Um, 25, 6 to 4, John, was one of the greatest songs to warm up to in high school basketball. Yeah. Uh, the band, I mean, the band used to play that. I mean, I, I love doing layup line to 25 to 6 to 4. You, you know, 25 or 6 to 4, you know what that meant, right? It was That was like 25 yeah. minutes or 26 minutes to 4 yeah. o'clock, yeah. Yeah, to four o'clock. But that was uh, that was a great warm up song. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. Up. They and they. I don't know if they still do that, but for so many decades, in fact, that was the uh, IU basketball warm up song down there too, or yeah. one of them there too. So, well, no. it's, a, it's a beautiful day in Chicago. I, I I talked to my wife yesterday. She said it rained much of the day in Indianapolis in the Carmel area where we live, and it rained virtually all day here. But today, beautiful. Uh, downtown near Water Tower Place, and looking out over the water. You guys and, staying at a Super Eight? Is that a nice Super Eight yeah, downtown? Yeah, yeah, we're we're at a Super Eight downtown. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll be heading over to the United Center in a little more than an hour. All right. Um, what, what do you gather so far this year, as far as what you have seen? And I, I try to tell people out there that you're going to have to embrace uh, the literal things because you know the embraceables of expecting them to win night in and night out, or you know what may end up being the case at the end of the year. It, it may not satisfy what you ultimately want, but you know these guys are growing in the process. What have you seen that's been most positive so far in this early well, season? Yeah, one of the things is I just made a note on my board. 75% of the points that the Pacers have scored this year are with players 23 years and younger. Counter that with the team they're playing tonight, which is a much more veteran team. 50% of the points are scored by Bulls who are 30 years and over. So, I mean, that's that's a seven-year age difference. And, and you take the little things. For instance, uh, on Monday night in Philadelphia, uh, Benedict Matherin really struggled for the first time that we've seen him in a Pacers uniform, whether it was uh, summer league or the first you know, preseason or the first three games. And yet he found a way in the second half to score 15 points and take a 20-point deficit down to eight. I mean, late in the game, John, when the Pacers made their run, they had two rookies, two second-year players, and T.J. McConnell on the floor. And it forced Doc Rivers – you know, to, to really have to play the game out uh, with Harden and Embiid and those types of things. So those are the things you look at. You look at somebody like Jalen Smith, who had a second straight double-double. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's been, uh, I think, really good, especially in the second half. I think, I think he tries to get his teammates involved in the first half, and then as he's worked on over the summer, he, he's got to be more assertive, uh, looking to score, and that's what he's done in the second half. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things uh, the issues have been early is getting off to slow starts. They've trailed by 10 or more points in all four first quarters. And I think we knew that they wouldn't be a great three-point shooting team, but they've got to be a little bit better than they are right now. And, and I thought the looks that they got in Philadelphia were all good. I, I didn't think they forced a lot of three-point shots. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very young team, but each and every night you see a lot of things that uh, make you smile and 
and know that, especially with the backcourt of Halliburton and Matherin, I mean, they are going to be tremendous for this franchise for years to come. I haven't seen yet today. Um, I know he was listed as questionable. What's your expectation for 33? Because I'm going to throw him a parade when he comes back. He he was uh, out on the practice floor yesterday. uh, uh, Pacers practiced uh, downtown where DePaul plays, where the Chicago Sky play, right near Soldier Field. Um, and the good news was to see him out there with his teammates. And so he's moved from out to questionable. Uh, we'll see how he reacts after, uh, you know, a day of practice yesterday. And I'm sure uh, somewhere around uh, 6.30 uh, Indy time, 5.30 here, when Rick Carlisle meets with the media, we'll get, uh, I would think, at that point a, a feel if uh, Miles will go. But I think all things are trending positively. It was the first time we've really seen him uh, out on the practice floor with his teammates uh, Monday night or Monday afternoon after the the Pacers had shoot around, uh, he and Daniel Tice stayed uh, back um, at the Wells Fargo Center and and worked out. So that was a good sign to see Miles do that. And then uh, he went through a, a full practice yesterday. Kristen Airy of Valley Sports Indiana, play by play voice, got you covered coming up later on tonight from Chicago. It's the Bulls and the Pacers coming at you. I believe that tip time is at 8 o'clock, 7 30 for your pregame coverage. We've talked about this before defensively because staying in front of anybody on the perimeter for basically all the Pacers incredibly difficult and I'd ask you if you felt that there was somebody that could step up and become a defensive player somebody you can lean on as a really high level defensive player in the NBA somebody that could develop that way you see anybody that could because that is certainly going to at some point be necessary because they they are as bad as what we have seen in the past at least so far. Yeah, I mean, across the league, I mean, you know, I, I watched Golden State last night and, uh, you know, they're giving up points right or left. It's difficult to, to guard some of these guys, but you're right. You have to do a better job. You've, you've got to have your schemes right. You can't over-rotate. I think the Pacers have gotten in trouble, especially Monday night. Uh, while Philadelphia only scored 26 points in the paint, they were getting paint touches and then kicking out for three-point shots. But to your point, I think I think Aaron Neesmith has an opportunity uh, you know, to be a, a really solid defender in this league. Uh, he has size, he has quickness. Um, so I, I think that will, will help the Pacers a lot. And, and I think the return of Miles Turner will help. I mean, this team struggled last year in the last 40 games of the year when Miles was out with a foot injury. Uh, they were a much better defensive team. You know, we can argue what that was early in the year, but they were much better when Miles was on the floor. So I think if Miles can come back, uh, that will take some of the pressure off Isaiah Jackson, Goga Bataze, um, and But at the same point, uh, players have to do a better job on their man out on the perimeter. And, and I think you'll see Neesmith uh, assigned uh, to the most dangerous uh, opponent uh, as this team moves on. They moved him into the starting lineup for a reason. I think it was from a defensive standpoint. And also to take some pressure off Chris Duarte, let him come off the bench um, and try to ease his way back in because he has not had the start that he had last year as a rookie. So uh, Denary with us. All right, what's the Chicago team look like tonight? Well, this is a Bulls team. They're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They got blown out uh, by Cleveland at home uh, on Saturday and then came back with a near 20-point win over Boston. Uh, they're playing without Lonzo Ball. He's out for some time, but... Uh, Dasumu, the, the second-year player out of, out of Illinois, is playing really well. And then they've got the, 
they've really got the trio of veterans, uh, DeRozan, Vucevic, and Zach Levine. So this is a team that uh, made the playoffs last year after missing it five straight years. Uh, they were the sixth seed at one point last year, John, at the All-Star break. They were the number one team of the East and, and faltered a little bit as they went down the stretch. But uh, I think here in Chicago, there are high expectations for them, though it's a loaded East, right? I mean, you look across the Eastern Conference and uh, trying to make one of those top six spots is going to be difficult for some teams. I mean, teams are looking at the play-in, and, and then it's a dice roll to see if you can get into the playoffs. So uh, this is a, you know, a franchise that struggled for a number of years but got in the postseason last year, and they're banking on you know, their veterans to get them back there. Uh, did you as much as I wanted to the other night in Philly when Harden did that thing and, and knocked Matherin down, he fell down and then stared at him, you know, shot the jumper, hit it, and then did you want to throw a ball at him like I did? Well, I, I, I might have been able to. Because I don't like uh, him anyway. I think it's a jackass yeah. anyway. That just kind of expedited my level. I didn't say the word, by the way, the numbnuttery yeah. level that I view him basically night well, in and night out. My problem in Philadelphia, I was probably about as far away as you were because our broadcast location you were up is, there, way, weren't you? Yeah. Is, is way, way up. So I, I wouldn't have had a real good angle. But the other thing is we, we did the slow-mo, and I think you saw it. I mean, he stepped on Matherin's Stepped on foot. his foot, I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like uh, Benedict fell on his own and, and tripped himself up. I mean, he got stepped on. And, and he, he had, had to do no that in one crap. I, I can't stand him anyway, and that judge thought, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's a team that has a lot of heat on them. I they mean, do. You, you knew that going into that game after an 0-3 start, that, uh, you know, things were a little bit dicey. In fact, I met with a guy we both know, Peter Dinwiddie, who works for the 76 Love the man with two brains. Yeah, we talked before the game, and he said he went into the office on Sunday to get some work done, and he thought it'd be a quiet day. And he said they weren't having practice that day, and he said everybody was in there. So they knew it was a very important game. And when you look at the state of sports in Philadelphia – you have the Phillies in the World Series. You have the Eagles off to a 6-0 and start. Their MLS team is in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then here you had the 76ers, who many think are a contender to go to the NBA Finals, start 0-3. So, yeah, they, they've, they've got a lot of focus on them right now. And uh, that, that was a necessary win for them. And, and I thought the Pacers, you know, absorbed a pretty good shot early and then fought their way back in but came up short. Yeah, I love the man with two brains. I believe that um, our friend Greg Lansing, I think, is a, a West Coast scout for him now. I believe Whoa. he is. I think. Uh, maybe he's not. <laughs> maybe I'm baking that up, but I believe that he is. However, there is no team in the NBA I would rather see lose than them. <laughs> I, I'm, so they're I, right I'm, at the top of please lose every night. And I'd be happy. Well, and and their and their fans will boo them incessantly. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's a tough, tough market. Uh, they they either I was going to say they either love you or hate you, but a lot of times they hate you, so you got to deal with that. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow them as the year goes on. I mean, the Pacers don't see them again until January, and then Embiid and company come uh, to Cambridge Field House in March. So it's an interesting schedule, John, from the standpoint that. Uh, the Pacers played Detroit on Saturday. Don't see them until probably don't play them for three or more months. 
Don't see Philadelphia till January. Then don't see them again until March. Uh, Chicago tonight. Do not see Chicago again until January the 24th. So it's just sort of odd. You know, every year is different. I remember one year in the first 20 games of the year, the Pacers played Detroit four times and then never played them again. So uh, just interesting how it all breaks down. But, uh, you know, this is the second longest road trip of the year. We'll have a seven-game road trip uh, right after Thanksgiving, uh, fly to D.C. tonight to play the Wizards on Friday, and then back-to-back games with Brooklyn on Saturday and Monday. So, you know, a difficult way to start the season, but uh, that's how you live and learn in the NBA. That is Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana tonight. Um, games in Chicago at the UC, but uh, you guys are staying in the armpit. You guys up in northwest Indiana, right? That's where you're staying? <laughs> you staked that in the pit? We're a little... We're a little bit more north than Northwest Indiana. Hey, in I have the pit. I went. I, hey, I went to Wabash College with a heavy dose of region people. Heavy you know, level Merrill, of pitters. Merrillville, Herbert, well all those places. So yeah, yeah. Well done. All right, buddy. We'll be watching later okay. on tonight. I appreciate you. All right, thanks, John. It's the Denary there in the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Matt Taylor, top of the hour, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm communicating with you in there, too. The quote was, best for the team. We think Sam was the best choice for the backup. Going to go with that coming up on the other side. Matt Taylor, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Your chance at Bullseye Event Center Pass is also coming up. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I'm the boy, friend. and and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan Matt Taylor in just a second JMV at 107.5 TheFan.com Hour 2, here we go JVM That would be John Vincent Michael So I read Ryan Kelly's quote about being shocked with Matt Ryan's demotion is this team shocked by this decision because apathy has set in thanks in part to the coaching staff. And the owner's the one that made this decision too. I mean, he was the heavy lean on that decision. Thank you, Corey. Adam at 239-1070 is up next. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hey, I'm good, JMB. How are you? Fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah, I just got a couple of things. We need an enthusiastic coach brought in, not just a locker room coach. That's just my opinion. And then also, I'm thinking Sam might be a good idea. Uh, I think we need to utilize the tight ends because Jelani Wood is a big man and he's hard to bring down. And Kylan Granton has shown very good stats. So uh, you, an enthusiastic coach, a lot of enthusiasm is what you're talking about here, correct? Yep. Like Kyle Brand level enthusiasm of the NFL Network, or is that too over the top? Because he's very enthusiastic. I mean, anything will work pretty much right now. (laughs) I got you, Adam. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. Jelani Woods a little bit more. Can I tell you this? All hands on deck. All hands on deck. Everybody just says, well, I wonder if Sam can throw again to tight windows. Listen. He's going to have to have help from everybody because he may not be able to throw it in through your kitchen window. For him to be good, he's going to have to have help. 
And especially with an offensive group along that line, pass protection-wise, a lot of help and certainly more than what that group has given basically throughout the season. What's happening on West 56th, presented by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. We'll find out in 30 seconds. Do you want to work for a company who has your back? You can count on Shelby Materials. Shelby Materials has 10 ready-mix locations in central Indiana and is looking for Class B CDL drivers. Highlights include being home every night and every other weekend off during peak season. Shelby Materials stands behind its work, products, and people. We support our employees with competitive wages and benefits, including 401K, PTO, paid holidays, HSA, and a sign-on bonus. Learn more about your next opportunity by visiting shelbymaterials.com. Now, what's happening on West 56th? Brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. All right, let's go to the source, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. He's been hanging out with Chris Whitlick all day long over there. What did you learn from Whitlick? Anything? <laughs> it's always always uh, adventurous with, with uh, Chris Whitlick. There's no doubt about that. He's... Uh, He's got good perspective on everything. So he's been through more of these than I have. He's seen a lot of stuff, good and bad, and in this market, out of market. So oh, always good to hang out with Chris on a Tuesday. We had a lot to talk about. So Alex tweeted at me a little bit earlier today. He had said, hey, Sam Ellinger's not that tall, yet he stands next to Chris Hagan, and he towers over Chris Hagan and and I just I thought maybe Hagen was was there a ditch or a moat or something that had been dug around Sam's locker? Was he standing in that? What happened there? No, I think I think our boy Chris might be shrinking or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just... He won't talk to he won't talk to either one of us for the foreseeable future. So. Oh, we just we're just teasing. Nah, I just thought maybe man. he was standing in a ditch or something like that. I don't know. Maybe somebody dug a hole right there for a minute and it stopped and he stood in it. But uh... well, to be fair, you know, Sam Sam's a felt guy. I mean, he's he's not. Um... You know, he's not going to blow you away. I mean, he's not going to be able to dunk a basketball, I wouldn't think. But he's he's pretty big. I mean, he's strong, and he's he's definitely bulked up the last couple of months. And um, you know, it's been uh, it's been well talked about. You know, his off season spent with Tom House and working on mechanics and velocity and throwing motion and just you know shoulder strength, arm strength, if you will. So um, it is, it's 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 all it's all going to be on full display coming up this weekend. I'm really really eager to see how it goes. I'm excited for him personally. I mean, we all know how great of a, of a guy he is from a character standpoint, and he just got that it, it factor in terms of leadership and intangible. So, I mean, there's no one has ever accused the Colts of being boring or dull. There's always something going on. And, uh, you know, that's obviously good and bad. And, um, you know, right now they're making a major switch after seven games because, the offense is just stuck in a rut, and they're going to see how this works. Quick NFL news note for you. Trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. The Bears just traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick. So uh, the Colts coming up in November will see Robert Quinn coming off the edge for Nick Sirianni and that Eagles defense. Again, from the Bears to the Eagles for a fourth-round selection right there. I would mentioned this before you came on, and I'm curious your thoughts. And, you know, everybody has their theories on how things are going to go in that first start for Sam Ellinger coming up on Sunday. And I, I just I, I stopped short of, of making a great deal of evaluations or counting on you know, a huge difference here i just said 
for him to be good enough, his offensive players are really going to have to help him. And certainly in a couple of different aspects and areas, having to to help unlike that they did a lot in the first seven weeks. Is that fair to your ears? Well, I think everybody's sort of put on notice. When, when a switch is, is made like this, of this magnitude, you know, I mean, when you just get over the fact that the Colts are benching Matt Ryan, a guy that's played 15 years in the NFL, that's probably going to be a future Hall of Famer, who's top 10 all-time in literally everything. Um, when you bench him for a guy that's, I mean, as of right now, prior to Sunday, has literally never thrown a pass in the NFL. When you make a move like that on the surface, I, I do think it, it sends a shockwave uh, inside the locker room. It puts everybody on offense on notice saying, and, and they've prefaced with, this is not all on Matt Ryan. You know, these mistakes that the offense you know, has made and our lack of scoring and our turnover propensity. Yeah, the, the quarterback takes more blame and, and receives more credit. That's the nature of the position. But this is not all on Matt Ryan. He's definitely not played up to his potential. There's no doubt about that. But I think this puts everybody on notice that, you know, we're, we're going to this uh, drastic of a measure to get our season back on track, to kickstart the offense. And we just want to let everybody know that everyone is to blame for this. The offensive line and protection, the receivers have had their moments where they haven't helped Matt Ryan. I mean, you go back to week one, drop passes in the end zone. Week two, without Alec Pierce, without Michael Pittman, nobody really stepped up in that scenario. I mean, the running game hasn't. I mean, the, the Colts rank 30th in, in, in rushing offense with, with Jonathan Taylor healthy for most of, of this time uh, through seven games. So I think it, it, it does send a message that, you know, what we've done so far to this point is completely unacceptable. We're hoping that, you know, this guy with a different skill set at quarterback can help get us going. But everybody has to play their part now going forward. We're really, we're really going to scrutinize this thing now from here on out. we got ten games left. Season's not over. I know we're 1-3-1 and one inside the AFC South. But let's get on a roll and let's just wipe the, the slate clean in terms of the bad blood and the bad memories we've had so far this season. And let's pretend like the season starts over now and see how interesting we can make this thing after a 3-3-1 three, three and one start. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Some of the things that stood out to you in that Tennessee game, we'll double back to the Ellinger stuff uh, that I've talked about for the past couple of days with you in just a second. But uh, a couple of stands out to you. I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee with Mike Vrabel on that group, it just doesn't seem to matter. An injured player, a traded away player, you know, maybe an ineffective quarterback. Derrick Henry doesn't play. You know, A.J. Brown didn't play in that first game a year ago. Some guys, some had never heard of scoring touchdowns it seems like that they always against the coach uh, Colts in this case recently have found an answer and you saw that again this past Sunday yeah I mean I think we can just roll the tape from from when I was on your show last week and and the exact same things that that make Tennessee a good football franchise uh played out on Sunday against the Colts I mean they made fewer mistakes they did not uh, fall into the trap of committing turnovers and you know they pounded the ball at Derrick Henry they got the lead and again they're not an all-pro outfit they don't have a ton of all-pro players with pro bowlers littered on both sides of the ball but they are a good team that is well coached 
and the sum is is better than the parts. You hear that all the time, but it's really not hard to figure out why the Colts have come up short against Tennessee. I mean, they haven't been blown out in these games, but it's not hard to figure out why they're they're not winning them. I mean, the Colts in the last three games against the Titans, nine turnovers, and the two games this year, the Colts lost the turnover battle six to one. And the one that Tennessee put on the ground was just, you know, a gift. I mean, the Colts really didn't do much to cause that, in all fairness. Um, You know, Tennessee scored 24 points off of turnovers in two games, including 10 on Sunday, seven of those coming on on a pick six. It's just really frustrating, and I think that's where the Colts are at right now, given the fact that they lead the NFL in turnovers, interceptions, fumbles. You know, they've only been over 20 points once this season. Um and and it's 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 frustrating because you know the Colts lost by by two scores they lost by nine points when they were better in the red zone they outgained Tennessee and you know it's it, it's I think the running game was pretty good at times with Jonathan Taylor um, but yet you still lose by nine points you know so it's just it's one of those things where Tennessee has your number but it's been mostly your own mistakes that that have killed you in that series. And now here they are. They have the stranglehold on the Colts with, you know, 10 games to play. They've swept the Colts for the second time uh, in, in two years. And so I think that's that's why they've, they've gone to these measures. And it, it's crazy to think, too, and I think I said this on your show a couple weeks ago, honestly, you know, if, if you could live with the whatever the number is right now, 16 points per game, 15 points per game, you could live with the number of sacks that the Colts have taken so far this year or allow with that, that 24, but you just can't live with the turnovers. The turnovers just kill you. I mean, if you just punt, if you just punt on those possessions instead of turning the, the ball over, I know this is going to sound crazy, but the Colts probably have one, maybe two more wins. If even with the sluggish, I, I said, take a sack. Output. I've said that a number of times. If, if Ryan would just take the sack. Yeah. Instead of throwing yeah. it to the other team or fumbling right. it. I mean, and, and, and I think statistically that's proven. I think the Colts might have four or five wins if they don't have so many turnovers that lead directly to points for the opposition. 56 points off of turnovers allowed this year for the Colts, by far number one in the NFL. So that, again, speaks to why the Colts are going to this, this change at quarterback. And hopefully Sam Ellinger can just play within the system not make it, you know, too complicated, which he has traditionally done, um, and just make good decisions and hang on to the football. We're going to be looking at RPO City on Sunday. You know what? I mean, I think it's going to be part of it, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, exclusive, uh, you know, to the game plan. I think, I think it, it it should, without getting too tactical, it should help the running game because there is that threat of Sam Ellinger taking it out of Jonathan Taylor's gut on a read zone or a read option and, and defensive ends and outside linebackers are going to have to respect that. And with Ellinger being a threat to run or move and bootleg out of the pocket, you know, it's hopefully going to unjam the box. It, it should open up some more gaps in the running game because of the quarterback's threat with the mobility. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited just on a, on a football level from a X's and O's scheme standpoint to see how this goes. I'm eager to see what changes the Colts will make and if it will lead to better results, more points, and hopefully some more wins. Have you had a chance to check out the commanders up front defensively? They can get at it 
up front defensively. They can get after the quarterback without any blitz help. This offensive line to struggle against blitzes, stunts, um, I mean, nearly everything. And it would seem like coming in here on Sunday afternoon, there are some problems looming up front with that Colts offensive line versus what the commanders have. Well, everything that you say is true. I mean, they've got really good players with Darren Payne and I mean, Jonathan Allen might be just as good as Grover Stewart in terms of the, the season that he's having this year. I mean, he's, you know, top everything in, in uh, you know, in, among defensive tackles since he's broken into the league, you know, quarterback hits and sacks and tackles for loss. And so I, I do agree with you that the offensive line, there's no doubt, has has struggled in terms of protection. But I do think that, at least on paper, theoretically, now we'll see how this plays out, with Sam Ellinger now at quarterback, it should cut down on the number of you know unorthodox uh, pressures coming from defenses because teams are just selling out and blitzing and, and, and sort of getting out of their traditional rush lanes against Matt Ryan, knowing that if he does break the pocket or break contain momentarily, he's still looking to pass and he still doesn't have all that much mobility to get out in the pocket if he does break contain. You know, teams are still thinking we can track him down. I don't know if you can do that against Sam Ellinger because he can turn a third and eight into a first down if you play the wrong coverage, if you blitz him from the wrong area. He can make you pay with his feet. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, I'm just excited to see, you know, what, what sort of tone this this locker room takes. You know, where where do guys go from here? Because obviously it can go one of two ways. And unfortunately, we've said that a couple of times uh, to this point in the season in terms of junctures, you know, where you start, you're winless through two games. All right, where do you go against Kansas City? You know, you, you lose to Tennessee that first time. All right, where do we go next time we play the Titans? So here they are, 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. And the crazy thing is, and I know you've said this earlier in the week, that you know, they're still not out of it. I mean, mathematically, it's going to be hard to win the AFC South. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, if, if you've got more wins – uh, then, then Tennessee at the end of the season, it doesn't matter what your AFC South record is. So, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played, and it's just going to be fascinating to see how this team responds to this big of a move in the middle of the season. You've seen a little bit of everything so far, with the exception of a playoff win, I guess, right? That's what you're still <laughs> my, a little so bit of I everything you've had. So I've, I've seen I've seen a lot. I, I have seen that. You know, I was here for. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did uh, have that. That was you. 20, 2018 in Houston, but I mean, yeah, I've been here since 2012. So I've I've seen the exodus of Manning. We I talk all the all time, them. and I forgot when you took over the gig. So yeah, you, you called so. that you called that game in Houston. Correct. Why yep, did I forget yep. that? Well, it's because terrible. it seems like a long time ago. It does. <laughs> That's Seems like forever ago. I've seen, I've seen quarterbacks uh, come and go, and injuries, and shoulders, and no fans. And, COVID, remote broadcast. Oh yeah, it feels like I've about ten years. Co- coaches come and then bail, and then uh, you know, defensive ends get pinched for fertility drugs, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff. Man. I've seen deflated, deflated footballs. Um, uh, yeah, there's you name it. I've seen it. Man. I would I would allow a defensive end to gargle fertility drugs if they could uh, put up like uh, ten plus sacks for this team consistently <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I don't know if you, you can do gargle you it or not, but yeah, 
<laughs> I uh, that, that's part of, that's part of me too. I, I I look at defensively, and I know DeForest Buckner has certainly in the past two uh, played to what you expect. You mentioned Grover Stewart a little bit earlier; deserves a great deal of credit. I was so fired up, and you knew this you know, about Ngakwe coming in here. What I thought he could add to this team, and I know that you haven't seen Shaquille Leonard play, and they're not turning the ball over, which is something they did. Uh, customarily, uh, week in and week out, it felt like uh, a year ago with Leonard. But uh, in Gakwe, he got three sacks, I think, so far. I just expected him in the sack category, the hurries, the knockdowns, all that to be much more of a presence. And that has been incredibly disappointing for me. Well, and I'm not certainly making excuses for anybody because it's a bottom line business. I mean, Matt Ryan's finding that out, you know, firsthand uh, this week. Um, but, you know, I, I think some things have played into that. You know, the Colts just the, – their inability on defense to play with a lead. You know, the, the, the defense just hasn't had many opportunities to pin their ears back and get after quarterbacks when they're down big on the scoreboard and, you know, it's third and long and it's an obvious passing situation. I mean, that's where a guy like Unique Ngakwe throughout his career has just feasted. And the Colts just haven't been in that position. They've trailed – by as many as 13 points, at least 13 points in the first half of all of their AFC South games so far this year. They've trailed at halftime of every game, um, regardless of who they're playing. Um, and Quiddy Pay's been out, so I think that's hurt the the amount of uh, attention that that you know Quiddy normally gets, where teams can't focus solely on the other side with Unique and Gakwe. So, um, listen, I mean everybody's got to perform better. I know the defense by and large, um, has held up their end of the bargain this year in terms of you know, points yielded and um, things like that. Now, you would like to see the turnovers come with more, um, you know, with, with more propensity. But, uh, again, I, I just think I, I point to the fact that the Colts have been down big in a lot of these games. And the, the deep, I mean, I would love to see a study of takeaways, and when they come, you know, with the lead versus when you're down, I would I would suspect that a big flurry of takeaways for teams that finish well above 500 have their takeaways come, you know, when they're up two scores in the second half, and the Colts just haven't been in those situations. So um, it's I mean he's a free agent in Gakwe that is, and so we'll see yeah. how yep. his last ten weeks go and, yep. and how much uh, you know what 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 he can do to you know plead his case to come back in free agency next year. I want to make sure I got something right here. So you guys, kickoff is at 425? 425. 420, let's figure this out then. So countdown to kickoff starts at (laughs) 330, right? Correct. So then we got the Colts pregame huddle starts at 130, right? Correct. So then I do my ride to kickoff at 1230. Correct. All right. I'll make sure. Yep. I know that. Make sure. Those 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 fifth those uh, quarter hour and four twenty five starts are always kind of tricky. Yeah, you guys don't go. We we, we um, you don't have a full hour of countdown when it's have, uh, a quarter hour thing, right? We have five less minutes. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I figured I'd give you the extra five minutes. I'll take it, baby. Yeah, I'll give you the extra five. You and Joe and the gang. And I'll, I'll sacrifice my five minutes so you can have five See, minutes more. Normally at that time on a Sunday, I'm drunk. I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, bro. Yeah, you it's going to be weird. For one day. Yeah. You can pull it together. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be uh it'll be interesting. Certainly out in touchdown town. So uh we'll uh yep. see what happens. All right, man, I appreciate you more than you know. I'm sorry I shortchanged you a playoff win right there. So <laughs> that's all right, man. I'll I'll send you my resume. It's on there. I Here's promise. to you getting to call one again soon. How about that? Yeah, that would be awesome. And that would mean if that happens, that means this team goes, you know, eight and two, seven and three. And I'm all for that. Mm. So We'll see yes. it, man. It's going to be exciting. All right. Tell everybody I said hello, and we'll talk to you on Sunday. All right, man. Be well. Thank be you. Right back at you. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I got this a little bit early. I'm going to read this. I don't know if this is the same dude. I mean, he's 0.0 Mr. Blutoski right here. I don't I don't know if he's like had to refire it because he got kicked out or something like that, but it says you've been so negative about Ellinger outlook is a preview of what it's going to be like if the Colts draft a quarterback next year and get off to a rough start. Lord help us. How do you know Ellinger can't be the next Brady and starts of a new Patriots dynasty? He's going to open things up. I don't think I've been over the top negative. I just, ask you is it okay can i see what happens my expectations are sincerely low and rightly so he's never played or started i should say an nfl game he gets thrust into this going into week number eight and then that alone you go back and you think about what's transpired with the veteran quarterback to the point where the Colts felt compelled from the owner on down to make this decision. I hope the dude is completely different and I hope things work. But again, I'm skeptical about that and especially skeptical with the way that this offense and in particular this offensive line has protected this year. That's not hard to understand. And that's not being negative. That's being accurate. That's reality-based. I think it would be great if everybody gets a shot of adrenaline from just a fantastic level of play, surprising to all of us. That is going to be tough for him to do. This is a tough situation. I hope that he's exactly like what Frank Reich has talked about, what certainly Jim Irsay believes to help expedite this decision being made. But let's sit here and understand this for a moment. We have been told a lot about quarterbacks of the past, how much of which has been accurate. At the end of it all, when you can't evaluate it for real, how much of that has been accurate? So I apologize if I'm going to sit here very skeptical about what I expect to see on Sunday. That's not being negative. That's just being reality-based. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. I'll field your calls on the other side. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. He was at the presser a little bit earlier today. Uh, We shall dive into that. C. Fitz says, could it be worse than 2011? Jeremiah said, I didn't realize Matt Taylor had been with the Colts that long. I, I shortchanged him for some reason. I don't know why I did that. 
So he has called a Colts playoff win. Well done. But he has he has seen a lot. Think about that. And a lot that's not good. Think about all the bad football he's called, all the disappointment. No fans, COVID. He he's said been he, through some crap. He's been there since 2012. So the start of the luck era. Has another NFL franchise had as much foobar as the Colts have over the last decade? All right. Let's consider this for a moment. Foobar franchises in the NFL in the last 10 years. Luck himself was a crazy roller coaster with the injuries he was. and retirement. He was. And then we have five straight, now four mm-hmm. after Luck, four years, four quarterbacks. Houston? Houston had a pretty steady run until the Bill O'Brien went south. And but Deshaun steady, Watson steady for what rough. did they... I mean, they won, they won a couple division titles. and Did they win a playoff game? Did they I can't beat, think did of they one beat off the, the top Bengals? of my head. Did they beat the Bengals in the postseason? I would uh, fair a guess that not many, if any, teams have had a worse go of it in the past 10. With everything. I mean, consider everything for a moment. I mean, everything. This has been a really bad soap opera. Houston has a few. The 2019, they beat Buffalo in the wild card round. 2016, they beat Oakland in the wild card round. And 2012, they so beat So it's Cincinnati. not even them. So the lowest of the low is what we're talking about in the past 10? Just from just crazy, unexpected storylines for the past decade. Yeah, I mean, and you and then, had gate in there too. And Yeah, and then, well, and you know my theory on that, my theory on that's just the, which is completely unproven and really stupid, but that's where everything started. You think it's that and not uh, letting Manning go? Some people will say that. It could be that too. (laughs) It could be that too. I was at that press conference and I still can't believe what I witnessed. I still could not go, what am I watching here? Seberg said, I'd say Houston was more, most foobar, but then when you go over, they had three playoff wins. And there's a difference between foobar and just wins and losses. Yeah, there's franchises that have had a worse decade in terms of wins and losses, but kind of the roller coaster you know, storyline after storyline and drama, I think the Colts might be number one. The Raiders? Hey, the Raiders had some stuff. I don't know. Anyway, I'll take a break and come back. You can think about that one. Uh, Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. I mentioned was at the press conference. I should say the meeting with the players in the locker room a little bit earlier. Um, Got to hear from both Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger, among others, in that locker room. We'll talk about that coming up at the top of the hour. Kristen Airy a little bit earlier. Pacers in Chicago versus the Bulls tonight. That was Matt Taylor. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are pumping it in there today. I appreciate you. We'll get back to that and a lot more. Your chance to win and to go to Bullseye on Sunday coming up as well. The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want to lead the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. No hitting in the head. I want them to cry 
and be scared to play us. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, that guy's your next coach right there. That's who you need in the locker room. <laughs> that guy was a shooting star. We haven't heard from him since. Whatever the hell happened to him? <laughs> so yesterday, I was excited because I got a new toilet. And I tweeted that out. And then Seth, he responded with, as a fellow Gen Xer, I'm disappointed that you say random mundane things on Twitter to get likes. Now, as each and every one of you know, I don't say random and mundane things on Twitter to get likes. I say random and mundane things on Twitter because I enjoy doing that. I don't expect and I certainly don't care if I get likes about it. But I was legitimately excited. And again, that's coming from somebody that has never felt the excitement on day one of a new toilet. A brand new toilet. Shout out to L.D. Smith Plumbing. And Kurt and Wes. Clearly, I'm talking about Seth, who's just not experienced the euphoria of a new can. I did ask him this as well. I kind of, he, he thinks that I'm upset about it. Believe me, I am not upset about it. I, I like to do what you call blanking around with people. I really enjoy doing that. And it's not mean-spirited. It's just I'm, I'm blanking around with you. So I asked this. It was on last night, really late. So I get home, and I watch Golden State and Phoenix, and I'm up until like 2 in the morning. And because we're nearing Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was on. I go, oh, hell, I got to watch this. And so I turn it on, and I, I think I've thought about this point before, but Leatherface, who's chasing everybody around with a chainsaw, two things, two things never happen that I never have understood. Well, I guess three, considering if you just, like, run away and stop going into the stinking house, maybe that would be smart, but no. The two other things... The chainsaw never runs out of fuel. And you know that that fuel in the chainsaw, that's an oil-gas mix. you got to go to the special can for that. Never runs out of fuel, and this chain never breaks. And my man is, I mean, he is, it doesn't matter if it is wood, if it is concrete, if it's steel, he's trying to saw through everything. So come on. Halloween horror movie classic, I should say not. At some point, Leatherface has got to stop. Hey, hold on a minute. I got to stop chasing you, chick. I got to go fill up this oil and gas-based chainsaw that's going to run out of fuel. There's no way that thing lasts. It's like 45 minutes that thing's running. I've never seen a Halloween or I'm not big scary movie guy is uh, the Halloween franchise. What? Is it better? Is uh, the Michael Myers stuff better than Freddy Krueger? I watched the first one, and then part uh, the first one. I don't watch any of the new ones because you know me, right? So I watched the first Halloween. That's absolutely the best. That that is really it's it started the genre that we know as slasher films. Yeah, like like Nirvana started the genre that you know was you know alternative grunge based music. Yeah, Halloween is the Nirvana of slasher slash horror films it started at all and that was the best i watched that halloween 2 the only reason that's any good 
there's a, a scant bit of nudity, but there's also uh, um, a ho- I should say a hospital where Jamie Lee Curtis is is holed up trying to recover, and nobody is in it. Like two people are in it, and they don't have any lights on. And I'm thinking, I always thought that was just like Green County General back in the day. <laughs> well, there's nobody here, and nobody keeps the lights on. What the hell? So everything else. Everything else, not really. Halloween 3 was not even about Michael Myers. It was really weird. So you like those more than Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm not a big Nightmare on Elm Street guy. I just I like Friday the 13th. I like 1, 2, and 3. I probably I like 2 the most because 1, I'm sorry if I can't believe some old woman's tracking down everybody and offing everybody at Camp Crystal Lake. Can you just not beat to hell? Can you not whack some old woman in a sweater that's doing everybody around there? So number two would be the best. Friday the 13th part two is the best, I think. Three's all right, but I think two's the best. Three was originally in 3D, in case you didn't know. You know what 3D is? Well, I know what 3D is, but 3D wasn't out until about 10 years ago. I thought these movies were all from the 80s. Friday the 13th was in 3D in the theaters. And you can kind of tell by some of the the scenes where stuff's coming straight at you. But, um, yeah, number two. I mean, the old woman, so this old woman's like running around. What are these dudes doing? <laughs> Can somebody just like lock the old woman in a bathroom or something? What the hell? Uh, Mark's talking Sam Ellinger at 239-1070. Hello, Mark. Hey, John. How are you, bud? I'm trying to lock the old woman. Can you lock Jason's mom in a bathroom or something? <laughs> hey. <laughs> what can you do? Can, you, can you. you like hide her slippers? Anything. What the hell? <laughs> Hey, I got to tell you, the wife and I last night, we watched on YouTube about a half hour of Sam Ellinger uh, at Texas. Yeah. This kid is a magician. He's strong. I know you've seen some of his footage. His arm seems strong. You know, they have him listed at 6'3". By the way, he did, and you probably know this, he beat all the records that Drew Brees, you know, set uh, at the same high school. Went to the same high school as Drew Brees, Okay. So I'm thinking Sam is going to be just like a big green egg. We're going to see smoke. We're going to see fire. We're going to see quality. And mark my words, I really think this kid's the real deal. That's Mark Sion of Big Green Egg with his endorsement, <laughs> his high-level endorsement Total. of Sam Ellinger right there. Very much so, very much so. And I think they say his arm's gotten stronger. I think he's going to shoot the gap. He's going to run for first downs. Yeah, he's going to make a mistake or two. But I'm thinking this is going to be fantastic. So You may have to get the pregame goal. speech in there, too. You sound like you need to give that pregame speech on Sunday. I do. Hey, hey, I would love to. Uh, just uh, have somebody contact me. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Good to hear okay, from you. Bud. Take care. It's uh, Mark Sign of Big Green Egg right there. Good guy. Alvis Golden writes this, what Halloween movie would you compare to the cult season? <laughs> that would be Halloween 3. You start watching and go, hey, where's Michael Myers? Hey, where's the guy in the mask? Where's Jamie Lee? What are these? What's this? What are, what are these masks? What's this mask thing? What, this guy? Uh, it is stupid. Look at that weird song at the end. Halloween 3, Alice Golden, would be the cult so far this year. Uh, Corey's talking Shaquille Leonard at 239-1070. Corey, jump on this show. How are you? 
Hey, JMB, I'm doing well. How you doing? Fantastic. Go ahead, brother. Good. This is uh, AKA Ronald Miller in Zionsville, and I'm all for QB one as long as it's less than two two turnovers. That's an upgrade. But one thing we're not talking about is Dershak Leonard and and the fact that he was cleared to play, wanted to play. But somehow the coaching staff voted him down to play in arguably the biggest game of the season, if not in, in, uh, in, in you know, for, for what we have to look forward to. Why didn't he play? And why do we have these coaches that just keep their headphones plugged in the grass and, and not have somebody like Rabel or Seriani in there getting these guys fired up? Yeah, I, uh, and here's part of the thing, too. I mean, you, you look at Ellinger. I mean, you, you sign to a couple of million dollars on a contract. You know, Nick Foles, he's supposed to be the backup, and now you get Ellinger in there. I, um, I Listen, just for, just for the interest, that's great, uh, but I, you're going to have to see it to believe it to me. Does that make sense to you, right, coming up on Sunday? you got to see it to believe it, and he's going to have to have a lot of help, and a lot of help that this help did not provide the guy before him and Matt Ryan. So there's going to have to be more than just a quarterback change here. Some of these guys, especially offensively, are going to have to force themselves to a play to a level that people expected because for the most part it's been few and far between. Going to have to help this guy. Corey, anything else? Yeah, well, the, the main reason I called was the, was the Darius Leonard part of it. Like, yes. If he's cleared to play – he wants to play. They wouldn't let him. Why aren't the coaches yeah, that, well, that's there? that's the what everybody said would not. They they said that um, they that they didn't think that he was ready yet. So I I don't know. I don't have an argument about it. You would think that he if he's ready he would play. Only so. the biggest game of the year. Let's keep him on the bench for no reason. Well, and people have argued that they didn't need him. And thank you, Corey, for the call because they have Zaire Franklin and Karake have played well. But I'm sorry, a year ago, the only reason that defense was any good is because of his takeaways. The lack of takeaways been glaring with this team. Hey, Jamby, Drew Brees' high school records broken by Nick Foles. Now Sam may have broken Foles' records. I'm not sure. Was that Westlake High School in Austin, Texas right there? Was that the same high school where Dazed and Confused, where Randall Pink Floyd went? See, because I think that's who's going to be the next quarterback, Randall Pink Floyd. Remember that old man in Dazed and Confused walked up? This arm got like 3,200 yards in this year. (laughs) Randall Pink Floyd is next. He's just got to sign, sign the letter to his team. Quick break, we'll come back. Tony's going to lead Kevin Bowen top of the hour. I apologize if you're like Kyle or like Kevin Bowen at the top of the hour. When I mention and reference dazed and confused, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's incredibly sad. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. Hey, are you going to stare all day or are you going to buy something? Uh, I'm going to stare all day. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you for joining us. You guys have been just stinking fantastic today. Doug Thrasher writes this. I just saw a kid shooting hoops, chain net no less. I didn't know that they still existed. What came first, the breakaway rims or chain nets? Clearly chain nets because they would last forever. They wouldn't get torn down. They wouldn't rip and shred. I tell you what, Doug, here is what is even more shocking, that you saw a kid shooting outside. You saw a kid shooting outside without um, somebody putting them through drills in a workout. 
you think at some point you think the kids get over drilled? You think we've been drilled? Like to me, I would like I would like the kids just to get out there and play. Like I don't mind what Doug is saying, right? Just get out and play. That's all that should really matter, yeah. right? When they're really young. Build the love of the game. I often think about that. I go, man, you know, all these drills. You know, all these drills. I go behind your back. Got to use your left hand. I don't care how the damn ball goes in as long as it goes in. Left hand, right hand, off your knee, off your heel, off your head. I don't care. Just go in. But I guess that's the more shocking thing, Doug. Some Somebody wasn't putting them through drills. <laughs> And they didn't have 15 rebounders, didn't have the uh, uh, the shooting machine. Outside for real, Doug. I would have to, I'd have to see pictures of that. Steve writes this. How about a shout out to the bidet? Now, coming from Greene County, you know I'd pronounce that by debt. <laughs> now, no, no bidet for me. Uh, just a real toilet. Yeah, drilled to death, I think. And, and I'm not suggesting it's not good because it is. I mean, fundamentals, yes. But at some point, just get out there and play. I like I was just go out and play. Just spread out five on five, four on four, three on three, and just play against one another. Who's with me? I did that last night. I sucked last night. You know how big of a mess I was? I think I may break my foot again. Eh. I had so many excuses. I was just excuse-ridden. The floor, the rim. And by the way, I don't know what you guys did at Southport High School, but nobody's going to make any shots this year. Your rims are way too tight. Who retires first, you or Tom Brady? (laughs) At this rate, it might be you. It's not going to be me. No, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go down in flames on this. Seriously, I'm gonna go down complaining. I'm gonna be. You, you think that I'm crotchety old man right now? Yeah, wait for ten years to see me then doing this, unless I'm dead. Oh, the rims are way too tight. Somebody get up there and loosen those rims up at Southport. You guys are gonna shoot at about thirty-five percent this season. Don't do it. They used to have these nice soft rims. You put it up there. Way, way too tight. Way too stiff. Somebody get up there with a wrench or something. <laughs> Somebody hang on them a little bit. Soften them up. Seriously, you, you guys are going to shoot 35% from the floor this year. All right, Tony, I'll get back to you in a second. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I kind of got away from the cult stuff a little bit. Kevin Bowen, Kevin Inquiry, weekday mornings. 7 until 10 a.m. is with us, although your partner is going to be in Europe for the next week, right? So you're going to be without him? Yeah, he's going to be using the bidet, right? Yeah, they don't have toilet paper over there. I will say this. I had toilet paper in London. I don't know about you, but the greatest bathroom of all time in this hotel right next between Trafalgar Square and Piccadilly Circus, it was the the, um, the toilet was encased in glass. Like you walked in through a glass. It was like a glass box toilet. I thought I was in heaven for a moment. 
Said, Seriously, uh, it was it was the most beautiful thing. I don't even want to leave this hotel because of that. It had blue, like cooling lights, and it smelled really nice. I thought, I think I want to live in this glass encased toilet for the rest of my life. You know, it, it's funny you say that. We stayed uh, at the Grove, which was like this resort, kind of like 30, 40 minutes outside of the city. And I do remember the bathroom just being immaculate. But I, I was too intimidated to use the bidet. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, I can't do it. I'm um, I'm nervous. So I, I just didn't do it. I just went. Do you, you have to have a towel? You still have oh, to. There's, you still have to. Uh... Right. You still have to pat yourself down, don't you? I mean, you can't just like sure. do that and then pull it up and. No, no. no. Yeah. I mean, you got to. Yeah. So why would I add multiple tasks when I can just do one? Yeah. Um, well, I love this. How I, viewed it. I love this bathroom. The, I mean, it was awesome. See right in there. See everything was going on. Smelled great. Everything smelled great. I love that hotel. I forget what it was <laughs> called. It was with Bullseye, though. Kyle Kinnett would know. And when they go back, and I'm assuming they'll either go back here in the foreseeable future, right, either to, to London or, you know, maybe Germany at some point, right? right. That's probably going to happen sooner rather than later for the Colts. I would think. I mean, what is it? Is it two games in Germany this year, three in London? Is that I what think, it is? I think so, yes. They got one coming up this weekend, right? It's Jacksonville and right. the Broncos are in London coming up on Sunday. Yeah, Broncos-Jags, it gets an ESPN Plus game, so they'll change that up. But, yeah, I would assume. You know, so Jacksonville, that's not available. We're not going to be able to watch it unless we have ESPN Plus? I believe that is correct. We are on, yeah. we are on the path for pay-per-view, aren't we? We're on that path. I, I feel like the NFL will write out this current, like, Amazon, ESPN Plus, but then still keep. 70, 80% of the games on, you know, normal linear television for a while. I, I, I'd be, I, I know that a lot of sports and obviously the trends are, you know, changing, streaming, 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 but I think the NFL just knows that like, they don't need to gain any bigger audience. They just need to maintain and continue to have the eye poppy numbers they have on an annual basis. So I, I think CBS, NBC, all that, I think it'll continue. CBS, Fox, I guess, and NBC will continue to carry. The vast majority. You were there today, Kevin Bowen, the morning show on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, and uh, you obviously lob questions at both Sam Ellinger, now the new starter, and the uh, former starter who was benched, Matt Ryan. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary, but could you tell in the responses you got from Ryan that he was legitimately shocked, uh, incredibly disappointed? Could you tell out of some of those answers, even though he was professional, as we all thought and knew he would be? Oh, Easily. I mean, it's the first time he's ever been benched in it's his whole career. It's crazy. Um, I, I would have handled that so differently. How about you? I would have just, I'd yeah. have been kicking and screaming, been a big baby. So I got to give credit yeah. where credit is due on that. And I it would be like, I mean, I guess he's dealing with a shoulder injury, but I'd be playing golf at the fine establishment that he lives on here in the Indy area. Yeah. I, I asked him, you know, any thoughts or requests in a trade? Um, you know, when he's healthy or if I'm Nick Foles, those would probably be two things I'm thinking about right now. And obviously you need a trade partner to have an opening or have a need for quarterback. And who knows, maybe somebody gets hurt this weekend and all of a sudden that team views themselves in a little bit more of a desperate, you know, light of like, Hey, let's go out and get a veteran and try to stabilize some things. Whereas here in Indy, you know, there is no path to them playing unless Ellinger gets hurt. Um, so I, I do think, and you know, for what it's worth, Ryan said, you know, it's not something he's thought about. I, I didn't think he totally 
uh, eliminated that idea. But with the trade deadline on Tuesday, I thought that was a relevant question. You don't think the Colts are out for anything at all, are they? Nothing? You think they'll have any action? Because we saw what the Bears did with Robert Quinn, and by, there's no doubt that the, the Eagles and Sirianni are loading up right now uh, to make a significant run, as they should, uh, being that major contender of the NFC. But uh, it, it'll, go, uh, it'll come and go without much of a ripple, I'm assuming, around here, correct? Well, certainly history would indicate it. I mean, I, I believe the last in-season trade is the one and only Trent Richardson. And yeah. I think before that, you've got to go, you know, I think there was like John McCargo or Booger McFarlane. Booger McFarlane I mean, would have been it, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you got to go way back. So, again, the NFL trade deadline usually comes and goes. And like you said, it is pretty quiet, not just culturally, league-wise. But it, it, I would be actively making calls around the league to sell an item or two. Um, I'm not expecting um, them to be doing that necessarily, but I think you're in a position now that you have to entertain that. Um, Again, there is zero need or zero commitment. You have said that, and your owner has said that, for Matt Ryan or Nick Foles to be on this football team next Wednesday. Now, moving both of them, you know, probably isn't going to happen, but Ellinger's the guy. Like, do you really need Matt Ryan in that contract as your third quarterback? You really need Nick Foles in that contract as your third quarterback? No. So if healthy and you have the ability to find a trade partner, if you can get a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, or something like that, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, and I am curious. And again, this is purely just like, honestly, it's just curiosity, John. Of, you know, if you're Stefan Gilmore in that locker room and you see this move and you're kind of like, wait a minute. I came here thinking this team was capable of making a Super Bowl run, and now we're going to a quarterback who has never thrown a pass in the NFL, and I'm playing really good football, and I'm 32 years old, and I've been a, I've been a great pro. I, I probably am saying to Chris Ballard, hey, uh, can you guys look into, you know, th- th- does Dallas need a corner? Does Buffalo need a corner? You know, something like that. And if you're Ballard, and, you, again, your owner has influenced this move at quarterback, if you can add a draft pick for 2023, I think you've got to look into it because you have to factor in, and it's relevant, of course, this week with Washington and Carson Wentz, you know, that second rounder you were hoping for from Washington is likely to be a third rounder. Well, you're punting the season here, aren't you? You're punting it. They say they're not, well, they're not punting it. You're punting it. Again, this is my opinion. Um, I don't think they are going to entertain this. And, like, why do you need Ryan or Foles? If, 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 Ryan or Foles yeah, going right. to influence punting the season? If, like, they aren't playing. But, but if you're so talking you about the well position, the other position players, though, Kev, that you're talking about Wood. Yeah, Gilmore is definitely. And, yeah, I mean, Gilmore is, is a big name. Yeah, I, I don't want to act like he's not. Uh, but I just think it's these are things you have to look at if you're going this route at quarterback. And, again, you look towards next year's draft. You don't have your own third rounder. You traded that for Nick Cross this past April. What you thought was going to be a second rounder is likely to be a third rounder. And look at the draft order right now. I know maybe not a lot of people want to do that before Halloween, but it's Carolina, it's Detroit, it's Houston in the top five. If you're going to try and get up into that range and draft the quarterback, you got to get some more ammo. You got to get some more draft picks to put together that sort of trade package. So, um, I know it sounds probably a lot like video game-ish. Um, and, again, I'm not expecting much, if anything. But if that, if you get calls like that, you can't, in my opinion, just stand pat and act like you're some 
buyer or some like serious contender here in 2022. Don't you have to be careful here? Because right now, at least you don't have, in the court of public opinion, the belief out there that the the Colts are just crapping on the remainder of the season. But if you give that impression much past what you're doing right now, because I wonder really deep down how the players feel, a lot of the players feel about this. I know that within the division, it's an absolute disaster, but they're still 3-3-1 and in a mediocre, really across the board outside of a couple of teams, AFC. You have to be really careful on crapping or at least giving the indication to the fan base you're crapping on the season and wasting their money of tickets they've already bought for the remainder of the year. You got to be really careful in not giving off that impression or doing it, you know, if you if that is your intention. That's bad business. Yeah, I think there's some people that already feel that way. Hey, I had people messaging me this week. It, it's a heist what they've done here for the final four or five games. Um, it, it's bad business, I guess, in the short term. But if it gets your answer at quarterback in the long term, that's that's all that matters right now. Um, I don't necessarily think. This team needs to be stuck in quarterback purgatory again. Um, you could make that argument about Ellinger right now. What what you need to see out of Sam Ellinger in the next two and a half months is him to look like Joe Montana or to look like an awful quarterback. Him getting stuck, him being slightly above average, and now Jim Irsay at the end of the season thinking, this is what I thought. You know what? He showed some signs this year, and whoever my head coach and whoever my GM is going to be next year, I believe in Ellinger. Like, that would be, oh, geez, like, oh, then your franchise again, I think is lacking a lot of clarity at the most important position in sports. So I get that. I guess it's bad business, but, you know, I I, I think there's a section of the fan base out there that's like, oh, looking forward to seeing Ellinger. But if they have competitive losses the rest of the way, I don't think it's the end of the world. And, I mean, trading away Gilmore, you know, is it a one-game difference? Is it a two-game difference? Obviously, he was huge in the Denver game. Um, but I, I guess I just don't view it. And maybe if I was a season ticket member, uh, full transparency, maybe I'd view it in a different light. But I do think there are sections of the fan base that are at very different motives right now. Some are looking at it and saying, can't wait to see Ellinger, all eyes towards the future. Some are saying, lose, 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 all eyes towards the future. And then you do have. Others that are like, you are 3-3-1, three, three and one, and you're still in the mix, and I want to cheer for when I want to see this team be in the mix come, come January. So I think no matter what you do, you're not going to appease everybody. Here's my thing. I don't think, even at 3-3-1 three, three and one, and the disappointment they are, I don't think that they can level off and be as bad as it would be necessary to get up at that level to get, for example, and I know we haven't really gone deeply on this, one of these top so-called top three quarterbacks or elite-level quarterbacks, I, I don't think you can do it because I think you do. You are too good to do that to me. I think you're too good to do that. And if if you're, for example, if you do something like what you were talking about, making deals, things like that, then you're absolutely telling everybody your intention. And while maybe you make it up there, maybe you don't. How many quarterbacks you think are going to go? How many teams are going to be looking for him? Texans, Panthers, I think Seattle, Lions, Lions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you very well could look at a mock draft right now and see three you know, right. QBs go right there. You right. Know, Panthers, Texans, Lions. And, and again, I don't well, think the, 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 uh, com- the Commanders. 
Did you say Commanders? Yeah. Did I miss that? I, I think Commanders, Seahawks. You know, they're not Falcons. That high, though. I mean, they, Commanders are what three and four. I mean, that's yeah. just one game away from you right now. Um, and, and I guess let me make this clear, John. I don't think the Colts are doing this. Hell, right. I think Jim Irsay believes Sam Ellinger is an upgrade in the short term. Like, oh, he does. You know, a lot of people yes, are being like, right. "Oh, wow, the, mm-hmm. the, the Colts are doing this." You know, long term. No, no, no. The owner believes Sam Ellinger gives this football team the best chance to win right now. Um, so this is just all my opinion on it. But I think when you look at, you know, how significant of trade-ups Buffalo had to get Josh Allen or what Kansas City did to get Mahomes, you've got to have some ammo in there. And even if you don't trade up for a quarterback necessarily, John, I mean, there are other holes in this roster. So I think getting an additional pick or two helps you out when you think about, well, the future at left tackle. Uh, how about like a future pass rusher? I mean, Yanni Kangakwe is not cemented himself by any means is like, oh, yeah, re-sign him for four years and X amount of money. Um, you know, is there a question? There's other questions probably about the offensive line. You could definitely use another weapon. Um, so I, I, I think that's just it, – it, it's foreign territory. It's unlike really anything certainly Jim Irsay has probably encountered as an owner. Um, and I know it doesn't appease things in the short term, but I, I just think that's something that if you get a call like that, particularly for guys in contract years – I'd be looking long and hard at it. See, I'm not trying to make you the bad guy out of this. I just think that it makes for an interesting debate because it's something that may come about even more seriously than us just chatting about it right now. Know what I mean? I just I brought it up because I know nobody's really talking about it, and I thought we'll bring it up right now. It may not happen, but who knows? And I listen. I know this. They believe that's at the top that Ellinger is a difference maker. Now, I don't, but they do. I don't, they do. I don't know what you think about it. Um, I'm rather skeptical on it, but they do believe that. So they don't believe they're punting the season. In fact, I think you could look at it this way, Kev. I think if you would have kept Ryan in there, you could view that as more as punting the season because you know what you have. You know it's how it's going to go. And, you know, kind of the outcome, especially with the lack of protection that he had as far as pass protection from his old line is concerned, I think that's more of punning than doing what you're doing right now. But even with that, um, I, I, I don't think that Ellinger is going to go in there and be this, this monstrous difference that I think a lot of, a lot of the Colts higher-ups are counting on here on Sunday. Yeah, apologies for that. I was just dropped something in the kitchen. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe – like. I, applaud the Colts honestly for this move because I'm always of the belief and again I know this goes against a lot of how NFL teams view season is if you go with this veteran stopgap band-aid whatever you want to call Ryan and once you know he's not getting you to the level that you were hoping for then turn the page to the young guy I, I think so many times and, and Ellinger is is a interesting case study because he's a six-round pick it's not even like he was a high high draft pick but I think so many times you see teams take quarterbacks and just never give them an opportunity in a game. And how do you properly evaluate? How do these guys grow? Um, you know, how can you really get a clear-cut answer without actually putting them into a game? I mean, if Bledsoe never gets hurt, do we ever see Tom Brady? You know, like, like I just feel like too many times franchises um, either don't want to or the opportunity just never arises for those guys to get an opportunity. And so the fact that Sam Ellinger is about to get 10 games, 
is great because at the end of the season, you hopefully will have a clear answer one way or the other, and then you can go into the off season, whoever's running the show, and you can you know make and make a another decision probably on on the future at uh, at quarterback. So Kevin Bowen, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, seven until ten a.m. with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, could you tell that there was some skepticism in that locker room today whatsoever? Because I know everybody was saying the right thing, the right way, but being there live and interpreting that after what they said, could you tell that there may be some apprehension and that skepticism moving forward about this weekend with a new quarterback? Yeah, I I think players are pretty surprised and and a bit of like, how the hell do we keep on screwing this up? Um, You know, wait, just a week ago, wasn't Jim Mercer calling Matt Ryan, like Peyton Manning, like leader and – we were, you know, throwing it 60 times and scoring 34, 34 points and all of that. And now it's – you're turning the page to a guy that's never thrown a pass in the NFL. So, I do think there is a bit of a shock value. And while the NFL, those guys are probably used to some of it, I mean, this is huge. I mean, this is easily um, the most jarring franchise in-season move that I've seen in, in, in years. So, um, I do think there's some of that. At the same time, I think they love Ellinger. I think he's easy to root for. He's easy to, you know, rally behind all those things. Obviously, he's going to have to prove it on the field. Um, but and, and come Sunday, it's not like I mean these guys are always going to show up and and do their jobs and try to deliver. But yeah, I mean it, it's got to be odd. I think it's odd for a couple of reasons. Like Matt Ryan's benching. I think to some of them is odd. Granted, he has led the led the league and interceptions and fumbles so far, I, I would think for some of those guys, they're and they're thinking to themselves, wait, isn't this why we got Nick Foles? Like, if the starter goes down or gets hurt or whatever, yep. Yep. like, wasn't this why Nick Foles is here? They're just giving so him some that, money. They're giving him some money like they have in the past. Yeah. Yeah, they are uh, – yeah, Nick Foles got a nice job right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I asked Frank about that, that very question, simply, you know, why Sam over Nick? And Frank's answer was – you know, maybe he, did, he didn't say because the owner said so. <laughs> that was not, I think, on his talking <laughs> notes before he walked into the media room. Because uh, the uh, owner said so. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Hey, you know what, my oh, boss, my boss said that he wants to see him. He doesn't want to see Foles. And, and I guess two things on that, John. And first off, I did feel a little bad for Frank Reich at times today. Like he is answering questions that he just cannot give real answers to. And but unfortunately, he's the only one talking right now. Chris Ballard ain't talking. Yep. Jim Irsay ain't talking unless it's the owners' meeting. So, well, you know, Chris Ballard um, would have already done Colts Roundtable live with Matt and the gang. Normally, that would happen already. Right. Right. Ballard has done that in years past. And, you yes. know, I mean, Ballard is is he does he's running from he knows if he gets in front of a mic, he's got to answer questions about his own job his head coach's job, much more than just this move. Um, I'd say the second thing, Ursay related, and maybe this is for a different debate down the road, John, but this is a very – I mean, Jim Ursay's meddling here. He is. And he's doing it at the most important position in sports. Is he did last year too. Off? Right, yeah, yeah, he, he, he did. This I would, I'd call this a little bit more – even more magnitude, just the in-season and everything – um, does that turn off any head coaching GM candidate moving forward? Um, does, you know, 
a, a Mike Vrabel like coaching candidate in 2023 if they fire Frank Wright. If he sits there and he's got the opening in Carolina and he's got the opening in Indy, does he sit there and say, "Well, I believe David Tepper is going to going to you know let me run it how I want to run it, um, and I'm going to take that job over the Indy job." Maybe I'm reading too much into it, and Jim Mercy, I think, has a pretty good reputation around the league with that. But that is something that popped into my head right now. Of like, if Chris Ballard and or Frank Reich had more, I think, clout, and probably Ballard does more than Reich around the NFL, like, if, if they really wanted to deep down, you don't see this often, but would they get to the end of the season and be like, hey, I have not liked how the owners handled quarterback each of the last two years. I'm going to step away from this. I am betting on myself that I'll get a job elsewhere. And hopefully there, the owner will not interfere. Now, part of that might just be the NFL. Owners interfere a lot of places. I I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, But there's certainly some places you could point to around the league. Uh, And maybe these jobs are so precious, you just got to say, hey, that's part of the business. That's part of being in the NFL. If you want one of these jobs, it it comes to the territory. But that is another thought that I've had in the last couple days. It was also part of the rumor regarding Josh McDaniels. So, you know, that that was a part of that rumor, too. And then, you know, Jim ended up um, getting into that is the reason why that, that Frank Reich is here. And, you know, a year ago, you know, absolutely mandating a new quarterback. It can't be Wentz. And, and thus, he is the reason why they're in the situation in making this change right now. I mean, he's he's the one that pressed and instigated, you know, that change at quarterback. So, that's that's kind of where we are right there with that, starting at the top. And, and it, it is weird that, that Ballard hadn't said anything, and you're right. I mean, he would be asked all those questions. But I will say this, um, and this is nothing against, you know, Matt and, and Joe and, and Rick and everybody, but, I mean, I, th- I think facing, you know, the media as he hasn't here yet would be different than I would say going on Colts Roundtable Live, you know what I mean? There's a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> So I just I'm surprised uh, yeah. they hadn't done that yet. So Yeah, I yeah, you could probably you know I mean you're probably not gonna have over. Greg Doyle saying you don't know what you're doing out of one of them. Yeah. Hey, I would say four and a half minutes. Which by the way, that's that's Stewart. that's by the way, I like Greg, but that's lame as hell. It and that's coming from somebody that wasn't there and I probably shouldn't have an opinion, but come on, man. Yeah, I I I would say that to Greg. I, I, I think the 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 um the question itself was fine. I would say the tone and the manner he asked it yeah. was not. And I, yeah. I, I thought I saw off to the side today. Greg apologized. Yeah, and I bet Greg, that's I, that's what because I, I, I like him wrong. and he knows this. I like him a great deal, so I, I would, I would consider he probably yeah. would would do that because I do like him. I I like what he has to say. I like because he brings it. Um, I do, but uh, that was that was not. It was beyond awkward. It was just unnecessary. I guess is what I would describe it, it to be. I guess one other thing, John, because yeah. I know that we're up against it, going back to what I was saying about, you know, would coaching candidates or GM candidate have pause at how Ursay has handled this? Yes. I mean, right now, the clear-cut name you're hearing above every other name and really kind of a sought-after name is Sean Payton. Sure. Yeah, Sean Payton's going to want a lot of control wherever he goes. You know, is this something that would turn Sean Payton off from – Wanting it, especially Sean Payton, a guy that the quarterback position obviously means a lot to everybody, but a ton to him, given his background. Uh, that Those are just some thoughts that they might not be relevant until after the season, but, uh, yeah, I just – you know, it's one of those things where 
do I think it's the right move? I, I probably do, but there are some ramifications by Ursay making that move, and one of those, maybe maybe the pros outweigh the cons, but I think one of the cons could be, does this make some candidates skeptical? And if they've got a couple of choices at the coaching cycle or whenever that comes around and Frank Reich is no longer here, does that impact the Colts in a negative light? So Kevin Bowen with us, I am um... – I have blamed still more than anything the offensive line. Am I too harsh? Have I been too harsh on this? Because obviously Matt Ryan has been the guy turning the ball over, fumbling, interceptions, ineffectiveness, all of that. But I blame even more than him the offensive line. Am I being fair? Uh, I I don't think you are being unfair. I would say, and I probably have to look this up, I would say if you look at the money invested into position groups around the NFL and the performance of those position groups this year, uh, and again, we live in our own little bubble here, but I would probably put the Colts offensive line up there with anybody else as the most disappointing position group in the league. Um, and I would argue the man constructing it, Chris Ballard, believing that Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter would be definite answers and you know, going four weeks into training camp before making – any subtle move on the O line for competition, and that's obviously a little bit that's much more coaching staff driven. Uh, those would be issues with it as well. So um, I thought Frank Reich said it very accurately on Monday. They did not support Matt Ryan. They did not make a single notable free agent acquisition, O line, wide out, tight end wise in the off season. Um, they have they did not support him like they promised, and at the same time, uh, Matt Ryan's play did not live up to what the Colts thought. Neither party. Did their, did their part. All right, morning show. Who's with you when Jake's in Europe? Uh, we got Mark Dyson in tomorrow, Friday, and I think through Wednesday. So, yeah, a little Barcelona, a little Florence. Is he going to run the board Jake. and be in there uh, with you? Sam Fritz is going to be on the board. Why, yeah, why can't he? Nothing gets – I want Sam to get paid. Don't get me wrong. But why can't Dyson run the board and be with you? Oh, it's, you you got to focus. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. Uh, I, I was thinking about this today, John. Can you imagine if you got stuck on a, you know, on a tour with Jake Query and the amount of questions he'd be asking? Yeah, Barcelona. Barcelona's probably glad he found a really cheap fare to Florence. I mean, gee, <laughs> they're going to be like, yeah, we get to cut him out of here. Get to cut his stay in half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. They, they might turn that bidet up to scolding <laughs> hot water to get him out of there a little bit earlier. I was thinking. I mean. The guy will be running the tour by, you know, the halfway point of it. I can imagine. Would be fun, no doubt about that. All right, buddy, you guys go get him coming up tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. You and Mark Dykton on the show, 7 until 10. That's the uh, fan morning show. Always appreciate it, man. We'll do it again next week. I'll see you on Sunday. Yes, you bet. What, hey, uh, text me what, what what time for Bullseye with the with the later kickoff. Oh, hell yeah. I almost forgot about that. I think it's got 1.30 up here, but I think I start at 12.30. So it'll okay. be about so 12.35. You'll, you'll be yeah. me around then. 12.35. Yep. Cool. All right, brother. All right, Appreciate it. Kevin Bowen right there. Fan morning show. He and Mark Dykton tomorrow morning as Jake Query is European. European. I'm a pian. We're all a pian for the next week for Jake. Quick break. We'll come back with you. Denary, Matt Taylor, Kevin Bowen, Race of the Day, and more coming up. Don't leave. Teen against him. Don't listen. Don't read. Let's focus. Focus on the greatness. 
focus on what you're about to see coming up later on tonight. Maybe it ends up being 12 and 6. Focus. Again, it is expected that Miles is back. 7.30, your pregame coverage right here. Who's excited? Who's with me? Fetty writes this. Why is it never discussed that two, or sorry, check that, that the two so-called offensive stars, both Taylor and Pittman, both put the ball on the ground and lose fumbles against the Titans, both of which were winnable games at the time? I think we brought it up. Well, you brought up. You brought it up. There's no doubt they're part of the offense. They're part of the underachieving offense. Don't you think more so than that, though? The offensive line has been more of a serious protection issue. I think. I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe to be fair, you lump everything in, but I think we've done a good job of lumping everything in. It's been an, an absolute disappointment. That's why they're making the change right now when they're making the change right now. That's why they're making a change that they believe, or the owner believes, Jim Irsay, he's all for that. But I will remain skeptical. All right, Tony, before the break, what do you got, buddy? Hey, JMV, how you doing? Great. I'm excited because Miles Turner's back tonight. Can you tell? Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I am. I can tell. Um, I'm not a big basketball fan, but I do support our Pacers. You have to support your home teams, no matter what. You support them, Tony. You're, um, you're an athletic supporter. Those, yeah, I was going to try to win those bullseye tickets, but I was on hold to talk to you, and I didn't want to lose my spot. Well, well here I'll tell you what. I got to hit a break. Do you want to go to bullseye? I would love to go All to bullseye. Right. Hey, Kyle, talk to Tony. Send Tony to bullseye on me. Waited for a long time through my dumb nuttery. Keith writes this, no one is excited to watch Miles put up eight and six tonight. Congrats, he can block two shots. Trade Turner, stop preaching that BS. You can take a big old smooch off my rear end, Keith. That's what you can do. Here, I'm going to put it up here on the camera, too, on YouTube Live. You can do it. Just go ahead and get in the in the lounge, right? Then you can do it for real. I'm I'm not listening to any of that negativity. Zero. Smooch it, Keith, right here. Quick break, we'll come back. Here is Hoosier Park Race of the Day. Uh, more of your scintillating calls and tweets. I'm sure Miles Turner looks to be back in the fold tonight in Chicago. And we'll get you to the uh, top of the hour, which will be uh, the Colts' daily update, then a little uh, instant replay for you. Denary, Matt Taylor, Kevin Bowen, podcast 1075thefan.com. Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day is on deck. The Ride with JMV. I don't understand the words you just said. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I said Miles Turner's back. 7.30 pregame coverage right here. Here is your park race of the day. JF is the winner, 50-50 in betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson Royale Rose. The win, 520. The place, 460, showed it 240. Whistler placed at $4, showed it 280. Dia Lamara showed at 280. The $2 exact to payout went for 22.40. 50 cent trifecta payout. 2520. There it is. Your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Have I told you, you guys, for the most part, not all of you, but most of you have been incredibly fantastic. 
following my lead. Thank you. Tomorrow's show downtown, that is our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for week number eight. That is downtown at the legendary Slippery Noodle. Who's going to join us? The sampleage will be flowing per usual tomorrow at the Slippery Noodle downtown. I believe that's also a tavern tour stop if you need it coming up tomorrow too. So we got a combination. It's our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Zool Tequila Shots and a tavern tour stop for the month of October downtown at the legendary Slippery Noodle tomorrow. Now, I will also remind you on Friday, if you want to go see Sam Ellinger in his first start, I've got tickets for you, along with Bud Light and Whiskey Business. That is in, or I should say, in Lawrence, Pendleton Pike. Pendleton Pike in Lawrence, that's coming up on Friday. Bud Light Blue Friday, multi-pair of tickets to see the Colts and the Commanders coming up on Sunday afternoon. Love to see you up there on Friday. Always good. Oh, you guys are excited. I love the excitement. I'm with you, JMV. Who doesn't love a veteran rim protector? Darnell and Broad Ripple writes this. So, JMV, who's going to do that interview with Dave Calabro on Inside the Huddle now that Matt Ryan has been benched? I don't know. We'll have to ask Calabro that. Reggie Sykes, shout out to Miles' return tonight. Bob Chambers, shout out to Miles' return tonight. You guys are showing the love. I appreciate you. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Well done today, too. Thank you, guys. Again, tomorrow, Slippery Noodle, Tavern Tour Stop, and a Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Zool Tequila Shots, week number eight with Brent Halverson, the legendary Slippery Noodle tomorrow. Kyle, great job out of you. Chris Denary, Matt Taylor, Kevin Bowen. Podcast, 1075thefan.com, or catch us inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. The replay is going to be up, and I'll let you know where it's going to be. Back with you at the Noodle tomorrow, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.